Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Well, good morning. So glad that you're here. How many of you were able to be here last week as we kicked off this new series, The Reset? Let me see. All right, awesome. And so last week, you looked at re-examine your path. Re-examine your path. And I wasn't here uh, last week because my family was at Dwelling Place Orlando and uh, was able to preach to our DP Orlando family and just bring back good news. They have great expectation. Uh, for 2017, but also for the first quarter uh, of what is taking place. And so they're seeing some momentum. They're seeing some of the bridges being built to new relationships with key people that can put the DP family uh, before people that need to know the hope of the gospel, Jesus Christ. Amen. As always, they covet uh, your prayer. They're so grateful for our support of what God is doing in them and through them there. So bring back greetings from there. And uh, however, with that being said, though I wasn't here, I did get to listen to the podcast. So you can rest assured I'm not going to come in and preach something totally contradicting what Pastor Craig preached last week. We're going to pick it up right uh, where we left off last week with this series, The Reset. And in fact, come on, we're about ready to shout unto the Lord. I just got a text from Pastor Craig. He said... I just sat up and stood up for the first time. Just now. Wow. Being able to get off my back for the first time in two days felt like a million bucks. About to go to the doctor. So praise God for that. Uh, Also, uh, if you are a first time guest with us, so delighted that you would be here. Uh, When you leave, if you haven't already, you can leave a communication card. We'll give you a free gift. And also want to welcome many first-time guests that are um, visiting and watching uh, through live stream. We're so delighted to have you. And I failed to mention earlier to our DP family that could make it here, their DP members, that you can go online uh, to give their Dwelling Place Movement on the Give tab. But with all that being said, I am glad that we chose and was helped of the Lord to choose to gather today. And... uh, what a great opportunity when we can gather under that name that has no rival and allow the Spirit of God to breathe hope and life, expectation and grace into us for what we're facing and what we will face in 2017. With that in mind, I guess uh, no one probably here got more than two inches. Everybody less than two inches in some ice. and But it was enough for my uh, family and uh, to get out and three kids to get out. At least hit each other in the face with some wannabe snowballs. You know, uh, my middle daughter's like, Daddy, Daddy, come build a snowman. I'm like, you don't understand. That snow don't pack. It's not an option. I'm sitting right here on the swing on the front porch. The, the snow wouldn't pack, but they were trying to hit each other with snowballs. And, but enough to get out. With that being said, it reminds me of a story. How many know when we don't follow Jesus Christ, we make bad decisions? Can you know about that? I know about that. And at the time of my life, when I was not following Jesus Christ, I made a bad decision. I accepted a baseball offer uh, at Indiana Tech, which is in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and went there to play college baseball. I'm saying, well, what's, what's the bad decision? Well, if you know where Fort Wayne is, it's close to Chicago. And if you know where Chicago is, you understand about the wind and the cold. You think I have a lot of hairspray on my hair now. If I lived in Chicago, it has to go up to a whole other level. It's windy. Now, I don't know about you, but I, growing up, didn't enjoy playing baseball in the cold. So what was I thinking to make a decision to go play college baseball in the cold? But I did. And I remember this one weekend. It had been snowing like all week. I'm talking about not two inches in ice like Atlanta. I'm talking about major snow like they get up north, you know, where it's way up there. And our coach, he was a hard-nosed guy. Now, I'm thankful for some hard-nosed people because they teach you about tenacity, right? And not being lazy and get some character. And and our coach said, I don't care if any other school plays this weekend. We're going to play. Well, guess what that meant? 
Just want to get out there and start working on your mat. Very hard. <laughs> so the whole team were out there for days. We're rolling big snowballs. I'm talking big, you know, up past the height of the stage. And the whole side fences are lined with these massive snowballs that we've rolled off the field to be able to work on the field. We're working, working, working. And we were the only school that played baseball that weekend in the state of Indiana. Our coach was so happy. He just walked around. He said, we're going to be the only baseball school in the newspaper this weekend. But it makes me think about that because I know some of you are like, you know, I don't know what the roads are going to be like. Should we do it? Should we have it? I'm glad we have it. Are you with me? Amen. Well, I'll say all that to now transition to our scripture, our main text today. I want to share from Romans 15. Romans 15, I'm going to begin at verse 17. Now, Paul was writing the church in Rome. He hadn't visited Rome yet. In fact, people were slandering the gospel that he preached. Now, you got to understand, Paul, as an apostle, would go in to make disciples, and then disciples make the church. And he would go into an area and stay long enough that he would commit and teach the pattern of sound teaching and would live it out. Meaning he would live out what the pattern of sound teaching would it model before them. And then he would leave and go elsewhere. But Paul hadn't been to Rome yet. So Paul writes a letter ahead of him. And this is why the book of Romans is the clearest and most organized pattern of sound teaching that he taught in every church because he hadn't visited there. Now you pick it up at the end of this letter. Okay, here Romans 15, 17, he says, Therefore... Now, one word, we already got to stop again. As one of my mentors say, when you see the word therefore, find out what it's there for. And what Paul says right before this is he says, I am a minister of Jesus Christ. I am a minister of Jesus Christ to make people reach maturity in the plan of God. Because I'm a minister of Jesus Christ, therefore, watch what he says, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus. In the things which pertain to God. Notice that. Paul says, listen, I don't have reason to boast about things outside of God. In fact, Paul's life, when he thought he was serving God, but he wasn't. There's a lot of things that he couldn't boast about. But there was a lot of things based on his tradition and culture that he couldn't boast about that other people accepted. He was well educated, spoke multiple languages, etc., etc. But Paul says, listen, I dare not to speak about anything other than the things which God has accomplished through me or the things pertaining to God. Look at verse 18. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me. Paul says, if I'm going to speak, I'm going to speak about what God has accomplished, what Christ has accomplished through me. And then he says, watch this, in word and deed. Not just word and not just deed. He says, no, Christ has accomplished through me things related to the plan and purpose of God, both in word and in deed. And what is the goal? Of the things that Christ has accomplished through you. Watch this. To make the Gentiles obedient. Verse 19. In mighty signs and wonders. By the power of the Spirit of God. Paul says Christ has accomplished through him. But more specifically. How does Christ accomplish things through him. Both in word and deed. It is by the power of the Spirit of God. So that from Jerusalem and round about to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. You know what that means? That means churches, people, individuals, movements have the possibility of not preaching fully the gospel. But Paul says, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ, and so I have made it my aim. Now I've recently taken up hunting. I didn't bow hunt this year, but... Uh, Paul basically is saying, like a hunter, I have my aim on a target, and I make it my aim, I make it my goal, I make it my focus. And what is that focus? To preach the gospel 
to preach it fully where Christ was not named, at least I should build on another man's foundation. And he said, the goal is to make the Gentiles, to make people obedient to Jesus Christ who has no rivals. To make them obedient to Him in His kingdom. Verse 21, but as it is written, to whom He was not announced, they shall see. And those who have not heard shall understand. I want to preach a message to you today titled, Reset the yoke. Someone say that with me. Reset the yoke. Let me pray. Father, I thank you that Jesus Christ came and was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Thank you that he came and he removed sins and transgressions far from us as far as the east as the west. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, you are here to apply the benefits of salvation. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would penetrate minds and hearts, that you would make much of Jesus, that you would manifest Christ to people. I acknowledge my need of you. Sweet anointing of the Holy Spirit. Sweet anointing of God. Do what only you can do. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You know, recently my youngest child turned two. And before you let your mind go there, let me go ahead and shut that down. No, she's not a toddler. No, 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 no. She's a baby. And she will be deemed a baby... As long as Michelle and I determine she's a baby. So we don't go for number four. So we will deem her a baby as long as it takes to ensure we don't go for four. So like, go for number four, Pastor. Are you going to pay for number four? Go for number four. Are you going to raise number four? No, no, we done. Someone say, he done. But the youngest turned two. She had a party. Party at our house. Now everything was going fine at the party. As normal as you can imagine with a bunch of little people running around high on sugar. Right? Normal. A bloody lip here or something there. Knocked over. Normal. When suddenly, I heard Michelle, my beautiful wife right there. Don't look at her beauty, by the way. My beautiful wife. My beautiful wife. You're beautiful. I got mine. My wife, Michelle... I hear from upstairs say, Chad, come here. Now, I've been married 15 plus years. I know some of these that have fasting works and Jesus works. I know I look young. Glory to God. Well, I've been married 15 plus years and I've gotten husbands, those of you that are husbands there, I've gotten somewhat better. I'm not perfect yet, but I've gotten somewhat better in distinguishing whether it's a bug stream. Ah, oh my God, I'm guilty. It's just a little bug. I'm like, you know, calm down. Versus a real need stream. Like a real need. Versus an upset stream. Jeff! <laughs> I've gotten a little better. And this stream stood out. Because this stream was one that was similar to when she called me several years earlier when my neighbor, my neighbor's husband was unresponsive and not breathing. As you can imagine, the heartbeat increases. The wonder begins to wash over you. Swiftly, I go upstairs. And I came upon an alarming scene, and I want to do my best to paint this scene for you this morning. One of our young party guests, a wonderful child, a very active and joyful, wonderful child, Such a joy to be around, really. Be. She's so joyful and a blessing. But this young party guest had sought to fit into this wooden, dull high chair. Now when she did, this part was attached. And I come upon now that she is standing with this hanging from her neck the entire thing. Now you can imagine, if you believe in the devil, the type of thoughts that went through my mind. This is my part in my home, my land. This is some of the most valuable asset in the world, a child. Standing with this entire thing hanging from her neck. Crying profusely, face as red as the red in reset. Shaking due to fear and worry. 
because the other kids are just playing. <laughs> I got the drum. You know, it up front makes me think about 2017 that there's so many people that has not wooden doll high chairs hanging from their neck, but they have bondages. They have yokes. They have habits. They have hurts. And the rest of the world is just playing. And sometimes the rest of the church is just playing. Going about life, and yet there's people made in the image of God with yokes hanging from their neck. Michelle was down with me and she said, Chad, just break it. Now I later heard, just break the yoke, prompting this message. As I thought about Michelle saying, Chad, just break it, there's four ways that stood out the application. First, Chad, out of my own resource and strength and personal ability, can't break yokes. When it comes to yokes and things that are hanging around the lives of people, habits, Chad alone can't break it. Listen, the Chad who thought long ago that I could save the world, that walked around college campus with a stack of scriptures because I was going to convert the already converted, that child has died. From thinking that I can break yokes. But Chad, anointed by the power of the Spirit of God, can break yokes. You, anointed by the Spirit of God, can help people. To finish the story, eventually. The young girl's mother came up and she was way more calmer than Michelle and I. I was like, I need a little bit of what you're taking. She was doing great. Because I was about ready to tackle my wife, tackle the devil. Just, I said, just break it. But what happened is, is another brother had to come up and he got on one side and I was on the other side and together we broke the yoke. Can I tell you that there's some people around us? That there's some people in our cities, in our jobs, in our neighborhoods. And it's going to take you and I in this church getting in unity, getting in both sides of the issue, getting on both sides of culture, getting on both sides of families and people's lives to see the power of God break the yoke that's upon them. See, what was interesting is Michelle on one side and me on another couldn't break the yoke. You know why? Not to brag or anything. But I'm a little stronger than her. Well, this is how I recall the story. And the issue was, is if you have no unity, if you're not in unison, it can't break. Because I'm stronger in my pull causes her to come my way instead of her pull equal pressure. And the problem is, if we're not in unity, we're talking about the most valuable asset on the planet. Someone made in the image of God. So another brother had to come where we could both apply equal force and pressure to break it. In 2017, I can't help to think of parents today that are still speaking to their children to stop that, change that. You know it's destroying you. You know it's taking away from the plan of God for your life. You know that's not God's best for you. The road you're taking is wrong. I, I can't but help but think of the parents that are looking at children, people made in the image of God, saying stop, don't do it. But they don't understand that beyond the natural eyes there are yokes that are keeping those people joined, oppressed, driven by those yokes of oppression. 
I can't help but think of the children all around us. Many children now grown. Many maybe fathers, some married, others still single. But these children stuck in bondages, stuck in habits, stuck in hurts, stuck in wrong thinking, stuck in wrong relationships, stuck in yokes. Can't help but think of the many people that in this new year are still under the same old yoke. Think of many of you. It might be, and those of you listening, that's in a new year, but you're still under an old yoke. And i got to first say to us, to your dwelling place, a local community of followers of Jesus Christ that call ourselves dwelling place, i got to first say to us that you got to understand that we are a church, that we are a people that must be and stay in agreement that we need the anointing of God to do what only God can do. We gotta be in agreement that we're not just an organization, we're not just a country club, we're not just people that can accomplish what needs to be accomplished with our own intellect, with our own wisdom, with our own ability. But I need dwelling place church and dwelling place movement to acknowledge and be in agreement on both sides of the issue that we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The anointing. In Isaiah 10, 27, prophet Isaiah, he sees the day far off from his day. But he sees it so real that it's as if he's experiencing the reality of it in that vision. And the prophecy, and he says, it shall come to pass in that day. That his burden will be taken away from your shoulder. And his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Can I say that the substance of that day is here? Can I tell you that what he saw afar off that day, that that day is at hand? That Jesus Christ has brought that day on the scene? That the kingdom of God is at hand? That the anointing of God that destroys yokes is at hand? The anointing of the Holy Spirit that destroys yokes is at hand. You know, when you begin to talk about the theme or the topic or the subject of the anointing, you begin to find it reoccurring consistently in the book of Exodus. It starts to show up quite often. I want to read one to you in Exodus 40 and verse 15. It says, You shall anoint them. Down there are priests. As you anointed their father, their father is Aaron. Aaron was the brother of Moses. And under the law of Moses and under the old covenant, Aaron was to be anointed, to have the anointing oil upon him. And also his sons, the rest of the priesthood, were to be anointed. Why? Watch this. That they may minister to me as priests. What it means was, is the anointing is the empowerment to minister to people for the Lord. That without the anointing, we can try to minister to people, but it's not ministering to people unto the Lord. He says that they may minister to be as priests, for their anointing shall surely be an everlasting priesthood throughout their generations. Now, you're saying, well, wait a minute. What does this have to do with me, Jay? Well, listen to me. If you're a born-again follower of Jesus Christ, the New Testament, the New Covenant that Jesus established through the shedding of His blood and His body being broken, the New Testament makes it clear that all born-again followers of Jesus Christ are priests. And we all corporately and collectively make up what is called the priesthood. That now in Christ, neither no, uh, male nor uh, male and female, Jew and Gentile, they all make up the priesthood. And what that means is, is that the anointing of God's Holy Spirit is to be upon you and it's for you. That you can be a minister unto God. So that things you can't do can be done by God through you. He says, anoint them. Anoint the priesthood. 
When you go back to our scripture where we began, Paul, who's a New Testament priest, says, I will not dare to speak. I will not dare to focus on any of those things that Christ has not accomplished for me. In fact, most of you should have a sermon card. You can follow along. If not, they'll get you one now and raise your hand. But notice the first thing there, dare to speak. Paul says, I only dare to speak about what Christ has accomplished through me. I'm not going to dare to speak about the things that I've done in my own ability and on my own achievements. I'm only going to dare to speak about what Christ has accomplished through me. Now here's what you've got to understand. When the Bible speaks about Jesus Christ, Christ means the anointed one. Jesus Christ means Jesus of Nazareth was the anointed one. He was the one that the anointing of God's Holy Spirit remained and abided upon. That's why Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, a man with a human body like us, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit in power who went about doing good and healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil for God was with him. But more practically, how did Christ, the anointing one, the anointing, accomplish things through Paul? He said, by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the Father, having given to Jesus when He ascended and sat right down, having received the Holy Spirit, poured out the Holy Spirit upon the earth. So that now, every priest, every born-again follower of Jesus Christ could have the anointing, the power of the Spirit upon them so that Christ, listen, could accomplish things through us both in word and in deed. Why? To make people obedient to Jesus Christ. That sounds like the last words that Jesus spoke in Matthew 28, 18 and 20. As you're going, make disciples of all nations. But not just any disciple, make mature disciples, disciples who are observing all that I can command. Make multiplying mature disciples. And Paul says that Christ, the anointing, the, through the power of the Holy Spirit, was doing and performing and accomplishing things in word and in deed to make people be propelled and progress towards maturity in Christ. You know what? We can't church on our own. Church of America, make people get born again. We can't make people mature into the image of Jesus Christ. We can in our own ability break yokes. We can give good talks. We can give good advice. But Paul says when you talk about being people being propelled towards mature multiplication, he says that I only dare to speak about what Christ through the power of the Spirit has accomplished through me. And then he says this, in mighty signs and wonders. Now this is important because you have a whole side of Christendom in America that their whole focus about signs and wonders is to make them feel good about themselves or for them to enjoy. And now listen. The power of God's Holy Spirit and mighty signs and wonders is to propel people towards maturing in Christ. Paul said that's the goal. And notice it's not just in the deeds of the power of God's Spirit. He said, no, Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is empowering me and anointing me to minister. Watch this, in word and deed. It's not just power and deed only. It's not just justice and social causes alone. It's also in word. But you have people that all they care about is the right words and the right doctrine, and yet they don't have no deeds. Then you have those who only care about deeds, but the deeds and the power of God's Spirit is for their own enjoyment instead of make people obedient and move towards multiplication. Paul says, no, it is both word and deed. i got to tell Dwelling Place Movement that in this year we got to make sure that we have the right reset and we have the right yoke, that we hold both word and deed, that we're not going to have justice without the words of the just one that's to be empowering the just. And we're not going to have uh, words only and yet not actions that correspond to the words. It is word and deeds. 
And I'll speak more about that because that is the pattern you see in the New Testament. Paul says, though, the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing accomplished through me, word and deed to make Gentiles obedient, that's the go. To make them free, to break the yokes, to break the things stuck around their necks, to make them obedient disciples, to make them mature disciples. He said, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the anointing of God. question up front is, do we dare to speak? We live in a time and oftentimes even in our culture and our church culture in America that we seem to be ashamed that we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The modern man and modern thinking so often is that we can do in our own ability what God alone can do. Paul says, listen, if I'm going to speak, I'm going to speak only about the things the anointing of the Holy Spirit has accomplished through me. I want some of you, I dare some of you to speak this year about what the anointing of God has accomplished in you and through you. I dare you to talk about how God has given you spiritual gifts and has anointed and empowered you. Because what you won't acknowledge, God won't increase I dare you to speak. But not speak on what you feel like how you're doing better. I want you to speak about what the anointing of God's Spirit is performing for you. But also not only do we dare to speak about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And listen, the day to dare is here. I want to tell you that the day to dare is now. That the kingdom of God is at hand. Listen to me. You have one life. And if there's ever a time to dare of how God, through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, can empower you both in word and deed, today is the day to dare. Dare to open your life on how much the anointing of God's Spirit can do through you. How much the anointing of God's Spirit can accomplish through you to make people mature into obedience of living under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the only King of the Kingdom of God. Today is the day to dare. Dare to expect the anointing of God to begin to accomplish things through your life that you've never seen manifested before. See, we need a reset in this year. We need to be re-yoked in this year to the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need to be sure and confident that we have dared to be joined to the right source of power. To the enabling grace of Almighty God. See, listen to me. Understand that what we are yoked to affects both word and deed. Listen, I can assure you, when Michelle and I was there around that precious child that had this around her neck, that that yoke hanging from her neck affected the words that were coming out of her mouth. And I can assure you that it affected the deeds that she would be able to perform in that moment. See, the yoke upon our life determines and affects both word and deed. What is a yoke? Some of you thank God. That's the part I've been waiting for. I'm thinking egg yoke. I'm thinking yoke. What's yoke? I'm the only one here with yoke. Let me define it for you. Yoke is a wooden harness used to guide oxen or other animals while plowing fields. Look at the picture here. This is a yoke. The yoke still exists in many undeveloped countries or developing countries within more traditional cultures, but by and large here in America, it's been replaced by tractors and mechanical equipment. When you use yoke as a verb, it means to join or to unite. The Old Testament used it often to talk about forced labor or bondage or slavery. The reason we need the reset and the reset the yoke is that many of us, if not all of us, have had things in our life that we've been yoked to and they're driving us into words, into behaviors, into relationships, into actions, into things that is not moving us or progressing us towards the purpose of God and maturing into multiplication for God and His kingdom. We need to reset the yoke. The problem is, 
Because we can't reset the yoke. And that's why we need the anointing of God's Spirit. We need to reset the words and we need to reset the deeds. But I'm going to focus primarily now on the deeds and I'll focus on the words the next time I'm with you. The end of this series. Go with me to Titus 3. In Titus 3, he says, Remind them to be subject, in verse 1, to rulers and authorities. To obey, to be ready for every good work. To speak evil of no one. That's words. To be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. For every good work. That's deeds. Always the pattern. Word and deed. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness, that's a great blessing. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. That having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Watch this. This is a faithful thing. These things I want you to affirm constantly. That's what I have to stand before God about. That those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. That's deeds. These things are good and profitable to men. But avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law. For they are unprofitable and useless. Notice this. Notice people can become unprofitable and useless regarding the plan of God. Notice that people can become unprofitable and useless regarding the kingdom of God and what is actually at hand, though it doesn't come by observation of the eyes, but the kingdom of God, the rule of God, the grace of God is the reality, and it's here, and it's now, and now is the time to dare. But so many of us might be on the path of the progression towards Becoming more useless and more unprofitable when God's Spirit wants to make sure we're progressing towards becoming more profitable and more useful for the kingdom of God. From glory to glory. Path of the righteous winds upward in life. Listen to me. Do you dare to have a do over? See, a reset can make us useful and profitable once again. Or a reset can get us to the place and even further that once we were at when we were following Jesus Christ in the profitability and the usefulness we were for the kingdom of God. A reset can get us back there and get us past there so that we are increasing in our usefulness and in our profitableness for what God is doing on the earth today. A reset. Why do we maybe need to dare to have a do-over? Because Paul says those who believe in God's work in Christ Jesus should be careful to maintain good works. In 2017, I don't know about you, but I constantly need a reset to make sure that I'm depending upon Christ and the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit, both in word and in deed, that I'm living in the balance and the tension of a spirit-dependent life. Reset. Notice in this passage, Paul unveils the progression towards becoming useless and unprofitable. He says the progression towards that starts with being foolish. A foolish choice is progressing towards becoming unprofitable and useless in what God's doing currently on the earth. He says because... Foolishness leads to being disobedient. Disobedience leads to becoming deceived. When you become deceived, you start serving the deception. And when you begin serving the deception, once this, you become living in bondage. 
when you hear the word living, that means both your word and your deed have been affected. Living means you're yoked to something and you now in every sphere of life, whether you know it or not, are being driven. Being driven. Living equals being bound. But the great thing about it is that today we have good news is that we can have a reset by the power of God's Spirit and as Paul unveils the progression towards becoming useless and unprofitable to the kingdom of God and what God's doing, we also can understand how the anointing of God's Spirit wants to help us progress towards becoming more useful and more profitable. Let me walk you through it. What's the opposite of a foolish choice? Is a wise choice. A wise choice is you progressing towards becoming more profitable and more useful for the kingdom of God. And after a wise choice, what's the opposite of being disobedient? You become obedient in that area. And what's the opposite of being deceived? Is to be enlightened. Listen, I don't care how many degrees, I don't care how long they've been a tenor, a tenure at a school or in a pulpit, without wise choices and without obedient living on the words, you don't have true enlightenment. You don't have true spiritual knowledge. It's wise choices, obedience, then enlightened. Then, what's the opposite of serving? Being made free. It's wise choices, obedient, enlightened, means I'm made free. And what's the opposite of living? Listen, this is the upside-down kingdom, the contrary kingdom of God's ways are higher than our ways. The opposite of living is then dying. Watch this, to truly experience His life. Living through you. Accomplishing in word and deed. Mighty things to make others obedient to the hope of all nations, Jesus Christ. So wise choices leads to obedience in that area, leads to enlightenment and spiritual true understanding, which then means made free, which then means we die so that Christ can truly live in us. So it starts, listen, with choices. When we talk about it in 2017 and we talk about the reset, we talk about reset the yoke. It all starts here, Paul says, the progression with choices. The difference between the fool and the wise comes down to choices. Let me ask you, do we dare in 2017 to make wise choices? Some of us, or maybe many of us, or those watching or those here today, you might need to reset the yoke of your company. Because Proverbs 13.20 says, the companion of fools will be destroyed. Some of us might need to reset the yoke of your hearing or our hearing. So Proverbs 1.7 it says, which is the book of wisdom by the way, despise wisdom and instruction. The fools do. The fools hate knowledge, Proverbs 1.22. The fools despise every rebuke, Proverbs 1.30. Some of you might need to reset the yoke of your choosing. Because the Bible says the wise choose the fear of the Lord. The reverence of him. One life! And each choice is progressing towards being useful and profitable in this life for the things pertaining to God or becoming useless and unprofitable for what God is doing now. Maybe you need to reset the yoke of your vision. Proverbs 12.15 says, The fool, his way is right in his own eyes. Some of you have been yoked up maybe to what you think is right for your life, what you think is the right vision. You need to reset. You need to reset the yoke. You need the vision of God for your life. You need the Ecclesiastes 3, the purpose of this season in God. Maybe others of you need to reset the yoke of your hands because Proverbs 14 one says the foolish pulls the house down with their hands. That means the wise 
are empowered to build up the house, to build up the local house of God, God's people. Maybe some of you need to reset the yoke of your heart. Proverbs 17, 16 says, The fool has no heart for the purpose, price, and wisdom. Many others of you need to reset the yoke of what you start because Proverbs 23 says the fool starts quarrels. A foolish choice of always starting things that don't need to be started leads to contention and strife, more heartache. Maybe some of you need to reset the yoke of your trust because Proverbs 28, 26 says the foolish trust in their own heart. Maybe others need to reset the yoke of your mouth, which I will deal with in depth in two weeks. Because Proverbs 15, 2 says, The fool's mouth pours forth foolishness. The fool's lips are the snare of their soul. The fool's mouth is his or her destruction. But before we can have a reset in these areas, we first need the current yokes to be destroyed. And the anointing of God's Spirit is for this. There's no need to be fearful of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There's no need to be fearful of the ministry of God on the earth today, the Holy Spirit. Because the anointing of God's Spirit is to reset the progression. I want to tell you today that if you dare to desire a reset, the Holy Spirit has the power to hit the button. If you dare to have a reset in one of those areas, the Holy Spirit of God has the power to perform it. Will you dare? So you've got to understand that I've had to have resets all throughout life. Resets. In fact, when it came to dwelling place movement and planning dwelling place Woodstock, I had to have a major reset. Spent months and with the Lord and getting a reset, of resetting the yoke of how together with the Lord He wanted this movement to be an expression of Him and emphasize certain aspects of Him. Took a reset. Listen, there's nothing, there's no reason that we should try to hide beyond, behind a false idea that we don't need a reset. We all need resets at times. We all do. What better point is this day, this new year, to get a reset? So you find again the pattern of word and deed throughout the New Testament Scripture. The gospel of Jesus Christ is word and deed. Let me show you. In John 1, John says about Jesus that in the beginning, He was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God and the Word became manifested. Jesus is the Word of God. He is the communication of God. He is the express communication. He is the image and the manifestation of what God wants to be communicated. He's the Word of God. But listen, He wasn't just the Word. Because the pattern is always Word and Deed. And guess who is the pattern for the New Testament saints? Guess who is the divine design for discipleship? Guess who is the pattern for the new humanity, the new people of God? Jesus Christ is. And Jesus has the pattern, pattern the pattern, Word and Deed. He was the Word, but Acts 10, 38, as the Word, He went about doing good. As deeds. Healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Word and deed. Did you know that Jesus, who is our pattern, that he has a yoke? He has a yoke. And today, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is willing to reset a right yoke. Not only is the anointing of the Holy Spirit today ready to destroy wrong yokes in your life, but He's able to reset the right yoke because many of us need to reset the yoke because Jesus has a yoke. In Matthew 11, 29, notice what Jesus says, Take my yoke. He's got a yoke. 
Take my yoke upon your neighbor. No, no, no. Take my yoke upon you. I'm talking to you today. To you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lonely in heart. You will find rest for your souls. Jesus says, I have a yoke. Jesus says in 2017, this day, come to me and I'll reset the yoke. Now here's what you got to understand. In Jesus' day, where they used actual yokes, the actual yokes of animals became a metaphor, an example, to illustrate what was called the yoke of teaching. Every rabbi in Jesus' time had a yoke. Their yoke was their way of teaching. It was their form of teaching. And Jesus says, come to me and let me reset the yoke. Let me reset the words in your life. Let me reset the words that's been spoken to you, about you, in you. Some of you need to reset the yoke of teaching. And you don't need to come to religion. You need to come to Jesus. Some of you need to reset where you've been taught the traditions of men. The traditions of denominationalism. And you need to come to Jesus and learn from Him. We can help you with that as the Lord helps us. This Thursday at 7 p.m. is the context for us to lean upon Him, to learn from Him, His yoke, His teaching, what Paul called the pattern of sound teaching. But you understand that once you get re to Jesus and the right teachings that then he says come follow me I have a yoke for you to take up I have a yoke for you to take up not just where you know the right words but I have a yoke that you would take up that would affect all the deeds now in your life the American Heritage Dictionary defines a yoke watch this is a crossbar with two U's Two U-shaped pieces that encircle the necks of a pair of oxen, mules, other animals. Watch this. Working as a team. Two U's. Meaning there's two people working together as a team. Paul speaks of the two U's. There's Christ in you. And then there's your personal will. Many of us need to reset the yoke so that we surrender our you to come in agreement with Christ in us so that we together as a team are progressing indeed of being more profitable and useless for the kingdom of God. You say, Mr. Chad, of course, I the Bible and a little more. Here you go, Second Corinthians 6 1. We then, as workers, together with Him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Workers together with Him. Jesus has a yoke. The question is, will you work together with Him, come under His yoke of ministry, or will you be working against Him? And what God is working towards for this community, for this region, for this city, for America, for His kingdom on the earth today. We need a reset. that are like 
Jesus Christ, who is King. 
for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. God bless you.